Hi everybody. Welcome to the bridge. The podcast that looks to bridge the culture and the kingdom. I'm your host, the professor. And with that said, I'm gonna jump right into it. So I I kinda took a break from doing podcasts and stuff for a little while. Had a lot of different things happen in my life, you know. Promotions and stuff at work, you know, trying to get things situated at home. Um, you know, kind of pulled me away from it. But, you know, I always had the intention of coming back and picking back up with everything while I left off. So that's why I'm here today. A couple of different topics and things I considered. And, you know, some good suggestions were made. And, you know, forgive me if this one seems a little jumbled and not as structured as ones that I may have done in the past. Um, But I really want to just take an opportunity here just to kind of speak some things that's, you know, kind of on my mind about a couple of different topics. And, of course, with everything, hey, after you listen, if you got anything you want to add, let me know. Um, you know, if from this I need to do a part two, you know, and probably, you know, bring some people on as a guest, you know, we can chop this up together. Hey, more than welcome to do that, right? But two things have really kind of been concerning me. Um, as of late and once again the whole point of this podcast is to bridge culture and kingdom together right because oftentimes we leave them separate but the truth of the matter is in a lot of cases they become intertwined because of different things that happen um, different things that we experience in society and two things that I have noticed that have really been happening a lot Um, you know, of course, you know, everything that's happening with, um, you know, the different, um, racial equality movements that are starting, you know, to, to really come back out to the forefront again. And we're really seeing this thing happen on a global scale now. Um, and I've noticed too, you know, of course, a lot of people kind of stepping away from the Christian faith. And I don't know if I get a chance to kind of unpack all of this in one podcast. I may not. And if I don't, that's cool. Uh, definitely take an opportunity to kind of revisit it later on. But um, but I just kind of wanted to at least start a dialogue around what I consider, you know, two phenomena that are happening right now. Um, you know, in regards to, you know, the, the racial thing. Um, and I say racial thing for a reason. I think we have to go back and really understand where the idea of race came from. And that's a conversation that a lot of people don't have. Um, to be honest with you, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've heard anybody bring up the actual origin of the idea of race. And 
this kind of caused me to start looking into it myself because I needed to understand. You know, I'm, I'm seeing how, you know, black people are being treated. Um, and not only just black people, but, you know, anyone who's non-Caucasian, you know, or non-white are being treated. And, you know, it just really started to do something to me. And, of course, you know, because of, you know, I'm black, of course, you know, when I started to see this type of stuff happening, it caused something to rise up in me that wanted to address it. And, you know, one day I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm thinking about everything and, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the news and, you know, and it just hits me all of a sudden, like, where did the idea of race even come from? Like, what happened? Like, where, where did this idea come from? So I started to research it. And what I came across was very surprising. Um, the idea of race really hasn't been around that long. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the word race in the context that we know it in wasn't even used in that way till like the 17th, is like 16th or 17th century. Um, and it was specifically used for and I just said for, for whites to try and create, you know, a, a scale that separated them from other races. And this is the truth. You can always go back and research this yourself. Um, but it was specifically created to see what group of people were more superior than another group. And even the things that they used to try and, you know, determine you know, this list of superiority to those who were inferior, you know, was, was really, really, really startling. But this is this was my takeaway from it. With everything that I read and with everything that I came across, and I know this is going to come across controversial when I make the statement, and that's cool. The takeaway that I got from that was why... Why are we fighting for racial equality? And this is, this is why I asked that question. The very concept and birthing of race was created with division in mind. Up until 16th, 17th century when the word was introduced in this context, people were viewed by their ethnic, you know, their, their ethnicity, but the whole concept of dividing people into races wasn't there. So the, the thought that I had was how, how can we seek equality in something that was by its very nature and origin designed to cause separation? That didn't make sense to me. And the more I thought about it, the more I started to see how that should not be the cause behind what we do, what we do. And I'll explain. So someone asked me, where in the Bible does God talk about race? And to be honest with you, you won't find it. You won't find a discussion around race anywhere in scripture. It deals with ethnic groups. It deals with people who are from specific regions and areas. But 
the conversation around dividing people up because of skin color that never comes up because and and this is where i go back to the scriptures being my foundation because the scriptures doesn't teach for me to look at people based on skin color god didn't teach us to look at people based on skin color people from philistine from well from uh philistia were called philistines people from israel were called israelites people from rome were called romans people from edom were called edomites and people from egypt were called egyptians you know it was you were you were labeled based on where you were from not the color of your skin and that really stood out to me because we put stock in something that when I read in scripture scripture doesn't support scripture does not support this division of people based on skin color so once again I ask the question is it how is it possible for us to seek equality in a concept that from its origin was created to cause division just think about it right so you know after prayer and you know and once again doing further study you know in you know in scripture and you know outside biblical works and stuff too um I came to the conclusion that the first step is to do away with the concept of race, period. When I look, and I know it's a cliche, but it's the truth. When I look at someone, I should see them as a human being first. Their skin color is just, you know, based, you know, because of genetics, because of where they're from. But the skin color does not determine the type of human that they are. I am a human being who happens to have brown skin. And I am friends with humans who have white skin. That's 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 what I see. That's what it is. Because that how that is how God sees us. We are still human beings. Period. Period. This whole concept of of race is there to divide. We want racial equality. To me, that's an oxymoron. Because race was never supposed to be about equality in the first place. It was meant to be about division. And then the other thing about it is the more reading that I did, science, pure science, outside of scripture, pure science, disapproved and disavowed the existence or the concept of race as being legitimate. Science kicked it out and said this whole concept of race is is it's not rooted in in any facts it's not rooted in anything that is substantial 
ethnic groups are. You cannot deny one eth one's ethnicity, which is completely different from race. So if there is to be equality solved on any level, take my skin color out of the equation. And anybody who's, who's about the movement of just treating me like a person, treating me like a human being, I can rock with you on that. Because we should all treat each other as we are, human beings with one not being superior than the other, with one not being, you know, greater than the other. We're all human. Just by genetics and by God's design, we have different skin pigmentation. And I know that's gonna be unpopular with some people. You know, I am, you know, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I tell everybody, I am unapologetically black. I love the fact that I am black. But above the fact of me being black, I love the fact that I'm, I'm human. I love the fact that I'm, that I'm made in the image of my creator. Once again, I don't think it's by coincidence that God never deals with people concerning skin color. That he never deals with people based on physical features. But he deals with people based on their character. He deals with people based on their um, based on their relationship with him. He deals with people based on how they treat other people. He deals with people based on his scale of right and wrong, not based on their intelligence level, not based on you know the color of their skin. All of that stuff is irrelevant. And why can't we do that? So to me, the first thing that we have to tear down and probably the most important thing that we have to tear down in order to really get this thing going in the right direction is destroy this idea that race exists. Those are just my thoughts. And like I said, can't unpack it all right now, but definitely something that you know, we can have a continued discussion on. Um, and just kind of transitioning a little bit. Um, and like I say, you know, I apologize if this one doesn't have the same type of structure that others have had in the past. I just got a lot that's been on my mind lately. Um, and then the other one is, is in regards to people, the mass amount of people who have either walked away from the faith or just don't want have anything to do with the faith. And I'll be honest with you, I wrestle with this one. Um, for two reasons, you know. One, because of the fragile state that Christianity, Western Christianity is already in. I say Western Christianity because you know, the, I, you know, I can't say the same for, you know, for Eastern Christianity, but definitely Western Christianity is fragile. It's extremely fragile right now. And it's evident in just how, you know, 
a lot of people have handled the pandemic is evident and the way that we deal with people in society is evident with how we deal with people within the body of Christ. There, there's a lot of fragility right now um, with us as a community and a group of people. And a lot of people are walking away from this because it's just, it's either too much or it's not enough. And, you know, I, I thought about this, you know, I've been thinking about this long and hard for a while. You know, once again, studying up on things, going back to the scriptures. And, you know, and there were some hard truths that I had to come to grips with. But one of the hardest truths that I had to deal with was we have did, and excuse my language, we did a piss poor job with presenting the gospel in its truest and purest form. And by that, I say we've perpetuated this gospel, a version of the gospel, over the years that made it self-centered. We talked about how you can make yourself a better person. We talked about how you can have your best life. And we talked about how you, the individual, can become everything that 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 God wants you to be in life and how you can have everything that you ever desired in life. Like we've made it about the individual. But a careful study of scripture, a careful study of the text, and the true message of the gospel reveals something that's completely different. Throughout his teaching, Christ talked about us dying. He talked about us forsaking the things about us for him and his father's glory in the kingdom. It was not a message of self-centeredness. It was a message of self-denial so much to the point that he told his disciples that if anyone would follow me, he must first deny himself take up his cross and then follow him. If they're going to call himself, if anybody's going to call himself his disciple, those are the things they have to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we talk about that and we cheer it on when it's brought up, but I don't think we really process what that means once it's brought up. What do you mean deny myself? Does that mean that I can't have nice things in life? No, that's not it at all. You know, I would not say that God wants us living in trees and, you know, and being homeless. That's not it at all. But it speaks to something larger. That our focal point of existence and our anchoring of our faith should not be in how great of a life I can live. When Peter came to Jesus and said, Christ, you know, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. You know, they had left their homes, their families, their jobs. I mean, they left everything for the sake of following him. And he told them in so many words, look, I know you've given up everything to follow me. But the thing, but what you're going to get 
in the end is greater than anything that you could have lost on this side anything that you could have walked away from And I think that it is this deluded version of the gospel that has led to so many people to end up walking away. I mean, another part of it is, you know, we don't want to have the tough conversation with people that, you know, yes, Jesus is loving and, you know, we are all of God's creation, but you can't. You can't live this life. You can't call yourself to be a follower of Christ and just do whatever it is that you want to do. That's not the way this works. You are supposed to adhere to the commands that he gives you. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's scripture. That's undeniable. Um, and throughout, you know, his teaching and Paul's instructions and even you know the other apostles instructions we cannot you know we cannot just do whatever we want to do as a matter of fact Paul brings this up in Galatians you know and he's talking you know he's talking to them he's like hey it's this like it's set up so you can't do whatever it is that you want to do like you're either going to like the flesh is either going to win or the spirit is going to win but but you're not doing whatever you want to do you're under the influence of one or the other and then in Romans he even talks about how you know you're going to serve either the flesh or the spirit whichever one you choose to obey that's the one that you are a slave to but you've been freed from the obligation to serve sin and at this point if you do so it is of your own choice or volition it is not because you are forced to do so I mean if you think about just some of the titles that Paul gave himself I mean he called himself a bond servant of Christ a bond servant but those are things that we don't teach at least it's not a whole lot it's, at least I haven't heard that a lot of times in churches that I've attended or messages that I've heard you know in the past those pieces those necessary understandings of the gospel are not there so when things come up and things happen people walk away because they can't understand how certain things are allowed to happen in God you know doesn't intervene that's God's sovereignty you know it's it's impossible to understand or comprehend because our finite human minds can't process the infinite you know ways of a God that transcends us in every way imaginable and I know that's not the answer that a lot of people want but it's the truth period and how is it that you know we can and and this and this is probably the biggest thing and then I'm getting ready to, to wrap this up and I know it's gonna have to be a part two. I had to learn because I was one of those people who would say, Well, you know, you can't 
you know, as a Christian, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to judge people because everybody has a past. So I can't point the finger at you about what you're doing. And I know that I'm doing wrong, too. And this is true. Right. I can't be judgmental in that sense. But then I had to I had to stop. And I was challenged. To really. Study the concept of judging because the scripture that people use is judge not lest ye be judged also for the same measure you judge you know that you judge others with you'll be judged by that same measure so I had to, to I was challenged to really study the concept of judging within a Hebrew context not a western context but a Hebrew context and to really understand what Jesus would have meant And that judging in which Jesus was talking about was condemning. And this is key. Because I don't have the right to condemn anybody. I can't condemn you. That's reserved for God. I can't condemn you. However, as, you know, um, a former pastor, you know, of my church, God rest his soul, Pastor Elvis used to tell me, I cannot judge you. Cannot condemn you, but I do have the right as a believer to check your fruit if you call yourself a believer as well. There should be certain characteristics about you that stand out to let me know that you are a believer. But the biggest characteristic that I should see is your obedience and adherence to the word of God. And this is a big, this is a hard pill to swallow because that's going to naturally make you unpopular with friends and family members. When you hold yourself to the standard of the word, you may get called religion. Call me religion. But I understand from what scripture teaches me, I cannot say I love Christ but not obey his commands. I cannot say I love God and yet continue to walk in disobedience because I don't want to offend anybody. And the striking, the most striking scripture that stands out about this, when Jesus told his disciples, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword. I came to put father against son, mother against daughter, and daughter-in-law against father-in-law. He told them, if you can't reject your mother and father, your husband and wife, then you're not fit to follow me. That's tough. But that means that if I'm obeying the commands that he's given, that should put me at odds with people around me who are not obeying the commands that he's given. And the thing about it, except you have Unless you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you recognize the need for him to save your soul from the sin that you're drowning in, and he is sitting upon the throne of your heart, then you're not going to be able to walk and obey those commands. First of all, you can't do it in and of yourself anyway. You need the assistance of the Holy Spirit to do it. 
and you also need a willingness of heart to do it. I, I know this thing was kind of all over the place, but I hope I said some things that made you think because I want us to think. I want us to challenge ourselves. I want us to stretch ourselves. Once again, I'm not trying to come off as religious or anything like that. But it's a lot happening right now. And above all else, man, I just want to make sure that I'm able to do what Paul talked about in Romans 12. That I may know what is the perfect and acceptable will of God, you know, and that I can show that and display that. So that's all I got, man. Hope they won't be, you know, another month before I get a chance to jump back on here again. Like I said, if you got any opinions or thoughts, share them. If you want to be a part of the next cast, let me know. Alright? Love you all. Be blessed. May the face of God smile upon you. And his continents be with you wherever you go. Pray blessings upon you, your family, and everything you put your hand to in accomplishing the will of God and the advancement of his kingdom. Love you all. God bless.